based upon our performance and our historical performance financially, we can service this debt now and move forward and grow. I'm sure that gives all a lot more comfort to not just the NASDAQ, but all your clients, all the people that you work with. Now that you have that behind you, you can just focus on your growth. Yes. I'm actually, that's exactly what I said after we put the press release out and did our earnings call last week. I looked at my CFO and my legal counsel and I'm like, now we can get back to business here. Yes. <laughs> From the Pod Connect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by Sunday Seafried, the CEO of Safe Harbor Financial. Sunday, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, I'm excited that you could join us today. I've been reading a lot about your company recently. I've seen some press releases and then, you know, with all the talk of safe banking and I, this is, you know, the timing of this is great. I'm really glad that we could do this today. And since 2015, Safe Harbor Financial has been helping cannabis companies bank their money. Let me say that again. Bank their money. I know everyone thinks that banks do not accept cannabis companies, but but you're, you're solving this problem. Let's jump right in. How are you doing that? Well, it wasn't without its own risk. <laughs> so in 2014, when I started researching it, I... Every agency, even the federal agencies, they all wanted the money banked. They just wanted it banked correctly. And that's where the whole compliance problem comes in because it's a cash intensive business. There's an existing black market and even more so a black market history where that, that, that legacy funds are actually trying to make their way into the system. So they just wanted financial institutions, banks and credit unions to protect the financial system. And that just takes a lot of compliance. So I just had the guidance. And decided I was going to take all my years as CEO and working with examiners and regulators and auditors and put together the highest compliance program I can to see if we could stay in business. And even I was scared. I did it under the radar until I knew we were doing it right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. So essentially, you just took the rules that were in place and shared them. Now, you shared that with other financial institutions to make sure that they were comfortable with all your clients. Is that how you did that? Well, at the time that we started it, for the first seven years of the program, we were I was actually the CEO of Partner Colorado Credit Union. So we did it under the credit union, under normal banking regulations. And ah. it really was interesting the first four or five years, we went through 16 state and federal examinations because nobody knew what the cannabis industry looked like. Nobody knew what the performance of the funds would be. And so there was a lot of debating going on in terms of cutting that path between regulators and financial institution. So who wants to go through all that pain and debate? This is my interpretation. This is why I think I'm right. And, and, and normally during that period of time, you would have had six examinations and we had 16. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you figured out the roadmap. And once you figured out the roadmap, then you expanded it so that you eventually other institutions could participate. Is that, is that sort of the game, how it worked? 
That's correct. And and that was really a risk mitigating factor for the credit union at that point in time. We didn't want to be the only ones doing it because then all regulator eyes and law enforcement eyes would be on us. So we, we said, well, let's share some knowledge out there. So we shared and we helped other financial institutions set up a similar program using our software and all of our policies and procedures so that examiners could get a standard across the country. Well, and you mentioned across the country, you're, it's, it moved right from Colorado to other states. So you're, it's not just li- limited to Colorado now. You're in other states. We are actually processing cash from 40 different states across the country. Wow. And, 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 Eddie, and to the tune of billions, yes. correct? Yes. In fact, I was just doing that report. We are getting ready to cross over $18 billion. And I kind of monitor this, and I, but I also monitor the performance of the funds, what's coming in, what's going out, what stays in the bank accounts in terms of what we can actually loan off of. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, in the, I, I'm looking at a press release right now, Safe Harbor Financial you, you, you mentioned a minute ago about the partner Colorado Credit Union. I saw in the press release that you've worked out an arrangement now with the, with the two entities. Can you maybe give add a little more color to that sure. new relationship? Sure, because that was a very difficult last five months. <laughs> I bet. So what really happened was we were supposed to list on, on the NASDAQ back in June. And what happened is we need to do some more education because NASDAQ doesn't really want plant touching companies. So they went through all of our contracts, everything, even to know that if we were going to ever have to liquidate a property that was under a credit facility, that we would never touch the plant. So there's complications there when you're dealing with cannabis. What happened during that summer was the SPAC market kind of crashed. Yeah. <laughs> and we got it, it was the worst time ever for us to actually do that DSPAC and, and get listed. And we went from $70 million in pipe investors down to $23 million in pipe investors. That oh, left the debt and a lot of second thoughts on my back at Safe Harbor Financial. But, you know, I, I couldn't just walk away from this baby we had created for eight years and it was a profitable business for eight years and cash flow positive and had all these employees kind of relying on me to see this forward. And so Partner Colorado, who was the parent company prior to the transaction, said they didn't want to see it die either. So they gave us a forbearance agreement no payments until we could restructure something that would give us a clear pathway to succeed. So we spent the last five months negotiating with this and that 60 plus million dollars of debt that fell on our backs, which we could not afford to repay and be able to launch a a solid company. They they converted down to 11.5 million shares and they then gave us a long-term debt of 14.4, million debt that's serviceable at four and a quarter percent. So this is reasonable and based upon our performance and our historical performance financially, we can service this debt now and move forward and grow. I'm sure that gives all a lot more comfort to not just the NASDAQ, but all your clients, all the people that you work with. Now that you have that behind you, you can just focus on your growth. Yes. I'm actually, that's exactly what I said after we put the press release out and did our earnings call last week. I looked at my CFO and my legal counsel and I'm like, now we can get back to business here. Yes. 
I mentioned that you're a publicly traded company. And so people can, if, if they're interested, I'll have all the information later for the, to, to purchase the stock. But in addition to this, I, I noticed on your, that you're also providing loans to cannabis companies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So when we went into the depository relationship in 2015, it was our objective to try to normalize banking for the industry, give them checks, give them debit cards, give them what they need so they could do their business and operate. And we'll watch the money and we'll watch the financial system. And never did I have a company not want to comply because it's a compliance industry as well. They're so heavily regulated. So in, in the last two years, we put together a lending program And we actually loan off a percentage of our deposits. So our cost of funds is much lower than going to the capital markets to get funds and then reloan them out. So that is a a competitive advantage for, for us. And we work very closely with our financial institutions to set the stage. But because we're working on their balance sheet and with financial institutions, we have to lend like financial institutions. We can't make like projection loans and investment loans. We want to make collateralized loans with which financial institutions are actually comfortable with. And also we have to, if we get a 50 or $60 million credit facility request, we want all of our financial institutions to participate in that risk. So we won't just place it on one balance sheet, but on a couple of them and standardize it for all of them. Well, it's great news for the for the companies that are looking for loans. Yes. It's a great great news because now it's it's more. I don't want to say legitimate. It's more standardized. More what they what what most businesses they go, you go to your lending institution to get the loan. You go to the same people that you're doing your banking with are a lot of times the people that you borrow money from. It just makes sense. It's it makes sense before before we wrap up. A lot of the cannabis companies that are listening to this show right now are maybe paying exorbitant fees for their banking if they can even get banking. Can you walk us through the process if they wanted to investigate perhaps moving to a different banking and working with you to help facilitate that? Sure. So the first thing I have to say is that because of the amount of compliance, we file nearly a thousand reports a month on these counts. And that's because the regulations are pretty stiff for financial institutions. That causes an extra compliance burden. You see financial institutions get in and get out because they can't afford the compliance. So I just want to say that those fees are actually, you know, well-deserved at the financial institution for the amount of work and the risk because we are still subject to prosecution and other risks Mm -hmm. in this environment. As far as the lending goes, we're doing anything from 7.5% up to 13% on these credit facilities. So when we get the loan and the depository relationship, we start looking at the whole package, which will ultimately reduce their their account fees. So that's our objective there. If they wanted to look, there's always a due diligence process, but you're right. People where they have their depository services, they do want to get their credit facilities and vice versa. So we, we encourage that. It is complex. But, you know, we look at that long-term relationship. We've been low-cost provider in the industry, even on depository services for a long time. So we want to get them in and keep them in our program and give them the services and expand our services through this public public entity that we've created by doing some M&A strategy to bring in other pioneers who are offering solid services for several years and bolt them in to, to the Safe Harbor family. Man, there's so many great 
benefits to working with you just based on what you just said there. That's I can see where a lot of people, whether you're an investor, or you're a cannabis company looking for or a new bank, or you're looking for a loan. These are a lot of reasons for you to just check in the show notes. I'm going to have all of Sunday's information and all of Safe Harbor's information in the show notes. So you could just click the link. Sunday, this is really interesting stuff. I'm so thankful that we have people like you in our industry that can help get get us get us over some of these hurdles that really shouldn't be there, but they're there nonetheless. And instead of complaining about them, you're just getting it done. So thank you for everything that you've done so far and, and we'll be doing in the future. And also congratulations on getting this over the finish line. So thank yes. you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.